All your base are belong to us. Hello and welcome to Fake Geek Girls, a podcast looking. (laughs) I forgot. I forgot what the intro was. A podcast looking at nerdy pop culture from both a fan and critical perspective, encouraging the things we love to do better. I'm Missy. I'm a writer, and today's pollen count is high, and you may be hearing that from me. I'm Mary. I'm a marketer, and um, don't expect much from me today because all I did was watch Fast and the Furious and read Fruits Basket and watch it. So I only got two things. That's okay. I did four. So, and listen, two, one of them is going to be real short. Uh, I'll start. Yeah. I watched The Wicker Man, not the old one. I watched the Nick Cage one. Did we talk about how in the original, I found this out, and I'm, I don't know if we talked about it because I easily forget things that the guy who played the, not the main guy, but the evil guy, he's not evil, but Chris Lee. Um, he didn't get paid to be in the movie. What? Yeah, I he like I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that. Let me double check this, but I was cuz I it was this list of like people who took massive pay cuts um to be in a movie or to do something in the movie like in Rushmore. Um what's his name, the older guy when the helicopter comes, they wouldn't pay for that, so he took a cut and paid for it himself. <laughs> Let me double check it, but I think he I don't think he was paid. Wow. I mean, I would have been in the in the old wicker man for free yeah it's good um but no i watched the nicholas cage version mary talked about it a while ago so i won't go in depth but this is sort of a reimagining of the wicker man that takes place in the pacific northwest um nick cage is a police detective investigating a missing girl who turns out to be his daughter right I think so. But he doesn't know at first that it's his daughter? Yeah. Okay. In the original, it's his niece, right? I believe so. Because her sister is like, you need to help me. Yeah, something like that. Um, so he travels to this remote island, where, which is run by this sort of matriarchal pagan nature cult. Um, and Nick Cage is just a real ass through the whole thing. That's like the thing. The thing about the original is that like the guy is an ass and you don't really like him. But like he at least is not fucking unhinged, but we're talking about Nick Cage who at his most restrained is fucking unhinged. So this was a Buckwild movie. It wasn't good. Um, the director and Nick Cage have both said that they were making a dark comedy. And I was like, sure, Jan, I, I have an answer for you. Okay. He was not paid. Wow. He, he had been typecast as, vampire because he was in Dracula (laughs) and he was so desperate to get away from that that he offered to do it for free amazing and he considers that one of his best performances he did great in it it is one of my favorite movies the original Wicker Man's so fucking good it's so good um the new one no why why would you why would you bastardize that I would be so scared to try to remake the Wicker Man because the original is so good I would be like we've remade it everyone comes like we're just playing the original yeah so you can see it the the thing is like there's a lot of elements of the Wicker the new Wicker Man I say new but it came out like quite a quite a while ago early 2000s yeah it's it's an older movie at this point but um 
there's a lot of it that is actually really cool. I love like I'm from the Pacific Northwest. I want to see movies about the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> I just I you know like The Ring. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I love it. I want to see I want to see the place I live be spooky and weird. Yeah. Uh, because let me tell you as a native resident of Washington State. It is fucking spooky and weird here. Practical magic. Yeah. Uh, there's. The I mean, intro Twin Peaks. To True Blood. <laughs> I mean, that's the South, but like, it's also where we grew up. <laughs> um, you have intro to True to True Peaks. Twin, Twin Peaks. Peaks. Well, all of Twin Peaks yeah. takes place in Washington. Um, like, it's it's kind of spooky. Twilight. <laughs> to be fair, like if you're if you're filming in this area, you're paying a lot of money because I'm pretty positive in Washington. We don't subsidize it. Yeah. Like, well, a lot of times they'll film in Vancouver. Yeah, but like if you're filming in Washington, it, it costs much more money. Yeah, which is so funny because um, that means when they do film like like scenes for like Seattle, you get situations like Fifty Shades of Grey, <laughs> where, where his his view would mean he'd have to be in the middle of the bay. <laughs> Physically impossible. Um, so like there was, a, and I love the idea of this like destructive matriarchal, matriarchal cult. I think that's rad because, it, because there is like in our, you know, in, in among people, who identify as feminists, there is like a group that seems to be like almost woman supremacist without acknowledging that like women are just as capable of harm as men are. Um, and like we can see this on a daily basis, especially among white women, right? Like this is just clear. Um, and I, you know, the and I love bees, you guys. I love them. Uh, also, I have to tell you, if you watch the original, the new Wicker Man, the B scene is not in the theatrical cut. It is only in the really? director's cut because we watched it and there were there were the scene, the not the bees that was not in it. That's like the best part. I know it wasn't. We were like, what the hell? Where's the B scene? <laughs> and it's it is simply not there. Instead, it's a really long shot of them walking up a hill, like really long. Nicholas Cage has done a lot to um, show he's an actual good actor. You know, I think if you like used correctly, Nicholas Cage is a delight to watch. Yeah, he's like, really good in horror movies. Yeah, I'm excited to see him in the new movie because it's supposed to be super good. Yeah, I think I don't think that he like. I don't think that he's a bad actor, but I do think that he's not the right fit for like even maybe a majority of movies. Mm -hmm. But when you when you put him in with the right ingredients, like he's a lot of fun. Yeah. I feel like Nicolas Cage would have been really fun in this movie as one of the cultists. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. He would have been spot on, but not he as been the main guy. Yeah, but just not. Well, the, the guy doesn't exist in this oh, one. That's it's right. Because it, it's a exist. matriarchy. Yeah. Um. Instead, he's this detective, and it's just like, this is weird, and why are you punching yeah. people? I don't understand. You understand. should watch Pig. Yeah, I w it, we will watch Pig it, someday. It was weird. Yeah. <laughs> so, Another great performance. <laughs> so my, my, my feelings on The Wicker Man is it was not good, and it's not worth watching. Um, it was just weird watch enough. Yeah, watch the original for sure. It's just weird enough to like have fun while you're watching it but there's it's also really dull when when something funny is not happening it's super dull um so i'm ready for the reboot of the reboot because i think in the hands of like a good ass director uh this take on the wicker man could be really fun and really interesting um but not not like this <laughs> not like this 
Um, I watched the rest of the Fast and Furious series, so I believe that was six through nine. And you know what? I came away from this. I don't know if I'm a Fast and the Furious fan, but I'm appreciative of what they're doing. Yeah, that's I how I feel. It. I think I have not seen eight and nine. I feel like you would like nine because it is so <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Josh doesn't think I will like nine. He, he, I think he said it was okay. I think that when they go to space, you'll be like, this is what I want. <laughs> I liked six because that's the heist one. Yeah. And that one was super fun. I won't. I, it wasn't my favorite, but I, but I was like, yep, Missy would like this. I like a heist. Yeah. Um, so my real question is, I guess you haven't seen it, but like, what have they done to Charlize Theron's hair? In the <laughs> First, they give her, it looks like it's dreads, but if you look more carefully, they're not dreads. It's just like they've been like twisted. Uh-huh. And then, oh, like I did back in. Yes. Back in, she has like a hole down to her butt of it. And then in the new one, she has like this bowl cut that looks like a cut my <laughs> husband had when he was six. Like, I'm not I'm not even joking. I don't know if they like don't like her or if she's like, you know what? Let's make it weird. I hope she's like, let's it's because, make it weird. It's because Charlize Theron is hot. And they're like, how far can we push the boundary of like when people will be attracted to you? Uh, you know what I also appreciate is how diverse the cast is. Yeah. I was like, I was, I got like halfway there and I was like, wow, this is a really diverse cast. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So I have a few things to say. Um, I enjoyed myself. I, like I said, I appreciated what they were doing. It's about family. It's about family. And you know what? <laughs> the seventh one, which was the last one that Paul Walker was in, and then they filmed his brother and it was very cheesy. Oh my God, Mary, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I have to tell you about this. There's this video of, it's of a car taking an exit ramp, but the mm -hmm. wheel falls off and the wheel keeps going down the main freeway. And they, put, they somebody put that song <laughs> the see you again song oh my god and josh lost his shit and i was like what i don't get it and then he showed me the end of that movie and it's like really sad because like it is legitimately sad that paul walker yeah. died but oh my god that car the car and the i can't not laugh when i see this yeah. scene now um so it was his last performance and um it was really emotional at yeah. the end because so this is spoilers for what they do. I really thought they'd be like he would die in the movie, but they kept him alive in the movie. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was interesting and I liked that choice. I thought it was It worked with the story it too. It worked with the story. They decided he's not going to be he's not going to be doing this more. He has a family and a new family, <laughs> a new family and we're not pulling him into this. And what I also liked is, but they kept Vin Diesel's sister. Mm -hmm. So she was still able to be there. She didn't get shafted because now she's a family with a mom. Right. You know? And I thought that was great. Um, in the end of the last one, there's like an empty seat at the table and they're like, oh, we got one empty seat. And she's like, oh, he's on his way. And then the blue car pulls up and I just start crying. Oh, <laughs> I just start crying. OK, second about keeping emotional. Paul Walker's daughter just got married last last year. Vin Diesel walked her down the aisle. Oh, it's his it's he is her godfather that's so sweet i know i was like looking at pictures just fucking emotional <laughs> like this like the bond that these people have made is clear they're family which is extra hilarious because then i went and read all the drama oh, the beef the beef <laughs> between, between the, the rock, rock and, and vin, vin diesel. diesel and i 
I had heard a little bit about this and I was like, you know, I've heard Vin Diesel's kind of a dick, but so I like, uh, in my mind, I was like, The Rock seems cool. No, The Rock sucks. <laughs> yeah. I am team Vin Diesel and Tyrese. <laughs> the Rock says something like, uh, if you see me in this new movie and it doesn't look like I'm acting when I'm like beating somebody up, it's because I wasn't. Oh my and, god! <laughs> it was about Vin Diesel, and then Tyrese came out and was like, it "Was like way to make the movie about you," and like straight up called him out like his name and everything. And I was like, "This is amazing." So in the newest one, he's not in it. Things get weird. They don't truly ex- like explain it, but he's the cop, right? He's yeah, he's like the the not CAA like um special forces. Right. Yeah. Um Wow, I never thought I would be able to recall any details about the <laughs> Fast and the Furious franchise, but here we are. Uh in the new one, the new taking over that role is it's John Cena, who is very white, right? Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say very wise. Very wise. John Cena, who we all know is very wise. No. Um, He, uh, you're like, okay, whatever. He's Vin Diesel's brother in it. And I'm like, how is this working? First of all, what? And then they, like, she mentioned, Charlie Saren mentions that she's like, I've sequenced a lot of DNA from this family or something like that. (laughs) Why? I never. Girl, why? But I never detected uh, some white, like, um. I don't know. What's a white place? Uh, Switzerland, but not Switzerland. Sure. Something like that strain in there. But they didn't explain. <laughs> they didn't explain. I'm guessing different mothers. Because yeah, it could be. The fa- they, they shared this whole thing with their father and him, blah, blah, blah. And um, it was a wild ride. We got, this is more spoilers. We got Han back. And we got my the, boy. We got the three boys from um, Tokyo Drift back good uh they now do rockets (laughs) (laughs) and they are old (laughs) um but they are also like this like just there's so much like sweetness yeah that you don't expect to see in these movies that i really appreciate and i just i really appreciate we're gonna get commissioned for this at some point we We are are walking ourselves into it (laughs) surprised josh hasn't done it it's probably next on his no i think lost might be next on his list uh that might be too many episodes for us well he can he can break it up into two um i usually just tell him he has to get me a present oh okay i guess that that would make sense he's good at presents so you probably get more out of that um but yeah i just i really appreciate what it was doing i'm easily emotional so the stuff with paul walker was very emotional i really appreciated the things they did with his with his wife and keeping her in it and allowing her to stay in it and she's not just a mom and a wife um and i like i feel like they truly understand the care i mean i hope they would truly understand the characters <laughs> they've been playing them for 20 years they're they're remarkably consistent yes they are and, and they I don't have to it. be yeah they really do because the movies aren't no um movies are buck wild they're buck wild and i just love the idea that they're like what if we went in space yeah let's go in space also what i love about the last movie is tyrese is like he's like this whole he has this like conspiracy that they're like superheroes because like yeah think of all the stuff we've done not a scratch Mm -hmm. not a scratch on us it was very funny it was very good i brought that up when we were watching one of them and josh was like oh they have a joke about that (laughs) it's a running joke too and it's good and i and i like that self-awareness and being like we know Mm -hmm. and we don't care yeah so um yeah that's what i have to say i appreciate it can't wait till somebody commissions it from us yeah definitely gonna happen we've we've sealed the pact somehow uh i read uh child of the prophecy by juliette marillier um 
I love that last name. It's beautiful. Uh, this is the third book in the Seven Waters series. So you've heard me talk about the previous two, Daughter of the Forest and Son of, Sh- Son of the Shadows. Um, all of these books are interconnected, but not necessarily direct sequels to one another. So this one follows a character whose name I forgot to look up how to pronounce. I'm sorry. All of the names are like of Irish origin and my familiarity with pronouncing Irish words is so small. So her name I think is Faina is how it's said or similar to that. Um, and she is the son of Ciaran. Um, Ciara? Ciaran. I, I don't know. I kind of made that pronunciation up. I'm sorry. I was going to look and I totally spaced. And in the interest of not dragging the podcast down, I'm not looking it up now. Um, so uh, she is the son of Ciaran, who is one of the brothers from the first book who was turned into, they were turned into swans, if I remember correctly. Um, I remember you telling me that. So that's yeah, right. I think he's one of those brothers, but he is, oh, maybe not. He, he, anyway, he's the daughter of Unach, who's one of who is an evil sorceress, and uh, sorry, he's the son of Unach, and um, he ends up married or in a relationship with his half sister, his cousin, something like that, and they they she this the half sister was like a major um, part of the previous book, um, but not this one because she has died. Um, and he raises their daughter in secret away from the rest of the family because they weren't supposed to be together. This is not a a pro-incest situation. Um, so he kind of raises her and they, the thing, the thing to know is that they, they fell in love with one another before they learned that they were related. Um, but they pursued the relationship anyway in secret due to a variety of factors that are explained in the second book. Um, anyway, because she was raised like kind of outside of society and away from her family, um, she has this increased influence from Unag, her Unag, her grandmother, who is the evil sorceress. And she basically says, you're doomed to be evil and help me destroy all of your family and the relationship between the fair folk and... Love fair folk. Yeah, you are going to help me destroy the, the relationship between the, between the fair folk and humans Um fuck the fair folk basically is what she says um and and she basically blackmails Fena into doing this by like saying like telling her that her father is sick and he's only going to get sicker if she doesn't help and she's going to destroy the lives of everybody she loves if she doesn't help and so she gets sent to the castle of seven waters or the wherever they live in seven waters and uh starts wreaking havoc and i the thing i like about this book there's there's a lot of things i really like about juliette merlier's books this one in particular it's like what if the protagonist was a little evil and i was like yes good yes yes the thing is she doesn't want to be evil but she sees no other option for herself and that's great I loved it, especially because it's not like, oh, they're like, okay, one of the first things, she, one of the first evil things she does is her grandmother asks her to work a spell on this girl in her village who she doesn't really like, the the Fena doesn't really like. So she turns her into a fish and she has every intention of immediately turning her back into a person. However, the girl's mother gets in the way, picks up the fish, so she no longer has the ability to turn her out of a fish and she fucking dies and her mother eats her. And it's never revealed like, oh, actually, she survived. No, she fucking did it. She turned her into a fish and her mother ate her. Oh, my God. 
It's never it's never fixed. There's a part later in the book where she causes a big fire and somebody dies and like she seriously injures one of her cousins. It doesn't go away. She did it. Like it's real. It happened. And I love that. I love the fact that like she when she's acting evilly, even if she doesn't mean to, there are real consequences to her behavior. Nothing is hand woven away. I really I thought that was super effective and like really refreshing because a lot of times when I read YA fiction and like a character is put into dire situations, a lot of times they don't have to actually do anything dire. Mm-hmm. The biggest example of this to me is the first Hunger Games book where mm-hmm. I'm like, how did she get away with not killing a single person? And still winning the games. Like, I understand why that happened, but I also... Harry Potter killed someone. Yeah, like, I I understand why that happens, but I also feel like it's just letting them off the hook. And in this case, I was like, yes, be evil. Um, She isn't evil. She doesn't want to be evil. And, like, not to spoil things, but, like, that's not how things end up, of course. But, um... It, I felt that letting letting her be evil over the course of the narrative was really effective. Um, also, Juliette Marillier writes the kindest, most wonderful men, like <laughs> just the just the best boys, just the, the greatest boys. Like I I am not usually a person who feels like swept off my feet <laughs> by romances and books because I'm, I you know we know who I am right like there's a lot of like it's not even like the alpha male thing because I don't read a lot of books like that but like there's just something about a lot of men in romances where I'm just put off so I thought I've been thinking about this a lot not necessarily with you but like this because I there's this TikTok I really love (laughs) show Bob it all the time and it's this girl and she has a series and it's the same song and it's um uh what is it? She, it's something about like about to go tell my my husband turn him into a a a, a romance book per- character or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's things like she's like, how come you um when you touch me and you walk away you don't you don't clench your fist or like <laughs> how come when you look in my eyes you don't water a little all these things and like all this weird and he's just like what the fuck are you talking about and so I, I've been thinking about that a lot and Bob starts making fun he's like I'm not one of your romance books boys and I'm like you know what though if you if you really look at it it's such an easy like obviously these are like fantasies you can get into but if you really look at what most of them are doing these are red flags yeah <laughs> and then, when you talk to somebody and the person you like just gets so fucking pissed that's a red flag so yeah. I understand why you don't because like for you I'm that's something that's way more I think uh-uh for you than it yeah. is for me. I'm like, this is a, I'm fine with this. Yeah. Um, but they're red flags in real life. Yeah. Also, I that TikTok, she's so funny. She's so funny. Um, If you want her TikTok eventually, you can ask me. But it's so, she's a series that she's like, going to turn my husband into a fictional character. And she makes up this other guy who's supposed to be... <laughs> His name's like Castiel, not Castiel, but it's, it's it's something between like Castiel and Cassian, and it's just a it's just a broom, and she blew up a a balloon on a um on a mop and put his face on. It was very funny. It's and the husband is acts very funny too. He's just so exasperated. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I think that well, like a lot of the fictional men that I am like interested in are people I would not in any circumstances associate with in real life. Constantine. I mean, that's one. Um, 
but like the men in these books, oh my God, so kind, so gentle. I, when they get together, I cry because I'm like, oh my God, you deserve it. You deserve each other, you beautiful people. Um, in this case, like the me, the the love interest, uh, Dara, I think is how it said. Dara, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, he is an Irish traveler and he has like an affinity with horses. Like he managed to tame this like wild horse without ever, he didn't like the idea of, of breaking a horse. So he managed to tame this horse by like, just like being there and the horse oh loves him so much. And he loves this girl, but like he can't, he doesn't, he doesn't tell her. He just shows her repeatedly and like, Aww. she doesn't get it cause she's a dummy. And um, she, he just repeatedly shows her this kindness and she keeps trying to send him away because she's worried about him and what her grandmother is going to do um, if she finds out how much she cares about him. And finally gets to the point where he's just like, I need you to understand that what you're doing to me is cruel. Like the way that you keep pushing me away is, is cruel and you are hurting me. And she's like, it's for your own good. Oh, God. Uh, and then they get together. Oh, God. It's just... Let me tell you, these boys, they're they're just so, so good. Like capital G good. They're just, these boys aren't going through any character growth over the course of the story. And I don't give a shit. I'm like, you you sweet, beautiful man. You're perfect as you are. Uh, anyway, I love Child of the Prophecy. Uh, it's hard to convince anybody to read Celtic fantasy if you're not already the kind of person to read Celtic fantasy. <laughs> but uh, these books are really good. So if you're like, hmm, Celtic fantasy sounds interesting go get them they're good <laughs> um i did not watch something good i <laughs> i watched no one sleeps in the woods tonight and i watched it last night and i only watched it because it's my husband's birthday weekend and he wanted to watch it and it's it's like a scary movie it wasn't actually scary so that's why he's like you can watch it i'm pretty sure so this is a Polish movie. I think the guy kept saying something about being in Poland. So that's my assumption. Uh, it's on Netflix and it is about um, some kids who go to a camp um, and the camp is for pe kids who are like addicted to technology. So they get all their technology taken away and they take a hike. And uh-oh, uh there's some people in the woods, some like uh, that are like deformed. I mean, it's a... Of it's, course. Yeah, it's a typical type of horror you know the there's two guys and the sons of this one mother um they're giant and they're covered in boils it's quite disgusting um turns spoilers for it if you really want to watch it turns out they had found <laughs> the reason they're so giant and have the boils and like really like strong and eventually you find out like immortal um is because a meteorite fell to the ground this is so weird and this like i kept calling it a symbiote because that's essentially what it was it's like this black thing came out and like went inside them and stuff and like turned them and then they started eating the dog it was really weird <laughs> anyways so these kids run into them and they slowly kill each of them um at a time except for one of them and it was so sweet though i will say the last two people who were left with a girl and the guy and they were they were clearly teens so i like that too and um he really had a crush on her and she had a crush on him and it was really sad when he died they were just really sweet and really like terminator <laughs> that was cute that's fair um, terminator is good yeah so it was I mean, there's a whole scene where one of the kids is gay and he gets, he tries, he goes to a church to find help. And the priest there is like, 
mm, I know you're kind and walks out and there's like a wood chipper and he's like tied him up and he's like he's gonna put this boy through the wood chipper but then the big man comes and puts the priest through the wood chipper but he also he also goes and kills the other kid well um you win some you lose some you win some you lose some this I'm pretty sure somebody watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre and then one of the other ones were like Fargo I don't think I've seen Fargo. I haven't either, but that's the one where they put the person in the wood chipper. Oh. No, um, like not the descent. That's totally different. Um, there's another one I'm thinking of. The hills have eyes. The hills have eyes, and they're like, we're like, we can do this, mm-hmm. and it wasn't good. And there's a second one. Let me also tell you, this is the third time my husband watched this movie. <laughs> like he loves horror movies, and he absolutely loves Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's his all-time favorite movie. So I'm pretty sure he just saw like that in this um but we're gonna watch the second one tomorrow nice nice yeah not nice <laughs> bad it's on netflix uh also, we watched it dubbed which is so difficult oh yeah but i don't want to read um i have been watching harlots yes so i've watched season one and two now um i'm on the third season but i won't talk about that harlots is an interesting show i think it's kind of trashy um and i'll explain what i mean i think it's a good show but i also think it's not a good show it is a show set in the late 1800s no sorry the late 1700s late 18th century um about a group of um sex workers in london and the first two seasons revolve pretty heavily around this like rivalry between these two brothels one run one is like I guess like a fairly typical brothel um, run by Margaret Wells. um, And she tries to like treat her girls with respect and um, doesn't like overly take their wages and so on and so forth. And she grew up in the employ of Lydia Quigley, who runs the rival house, which is kind of upscale, very French Rococo. Um, Beautiful. It's, it is. Yeah. It's be all of the costumes are fucking gorgeous. Um, And uh, she Quigley is cruel. She's awful. Just detestable. And every, every fucking turn you hate this woman. Um, and so her and Margaret have this kind of rivalry with one another where Margaret is trying to take her down through a variety of means because she grew up in her employ and she knows how cruel and disgusting and evil she is. Um, Margaret raises two daughters. Um, Charlotte, I believe is her oldest daughter who is married to this absolute dipshit or not married. Sorry. She's kept by him, meaning she is essentially his because he is married, right? He is married. She's his bit on the side. Yeah. Uh, but it's like a thing back then. It was okay to have a courtesan. Um, and uh, she has another daughter named Lucy, who is, of course, the sweet, innocent, never done anything wrong in her life. You can tell my feelings about Lucy. <laughs> the best thing about season two is the intentional Lucy character assassination for the better. <laughs> uh, she turns into a different fucking person. Uh, what happens at the end of season one is that she stabs Charlotte's husband, uh, sorry, her keeper, um, because he attempts to, well, she, she, here's the thing about this show. There's a lot of sexual violence and run of the mill violence. There's just a lot of it. So don't watch it if that's a concern yeah. for you, because boy, howdy is it everywhere. So Lucy is repeatedly uh attacked in in a variety of ways by some of the men that um 
They're selling her virginity, aren't they? They sell her virginity, and that's pretty awful. But the really awful thing is the first guy to take her virginity, virginity, like, sort of hunting her for sport, but also it's just a fun game he's playing. It was really weird and unclear what was going on there. Um, so she has she has some trauma, and at one point, um, Charlotte's husband, like, I can't remember, I think he did, like, pay for time with her, but she has, like, a flashback or something like that. She ends up stabbing him, and it's for the better, because he had just raped her sister, so, like, fuck him. Um, and he dies, and that forms kind of the, the drama of the second season. Okay, so here's the thing. The creators of the show wanted to wanted to show like a realistic portrayal to some degree of life for sex workers in the Victorian era or not Victorian. Sorry, this is pre-Victorian. The um, this like particular era of history with an attempt to like make them the sympathetic centers of the story as opposed to like the exploited um background that they typically are in media about this era. And in that, I think they were successful. What the reason I don't say this is a good show is because like it's all about the drama. Like that's all it's about. <laughs> These characters, like I care about them to on some level, but for the most part, it's just like what's gonna happen next. <laughs> I'm like I'm drawn from episode to episode, much the way that I think a lot of people were in something like The Vampire Diaries. Yeah. Right? They're in it. They're not in it for like. This is your Vampire Diaries. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it, and I don't. I, I think that this is a better show than the Vampire Diaries because at least it is interested in like humanizing a group of people who are typically dehumanized, not only in um, the way that like their job functions, because like sex work is a heavily dehumanized um, industry from like the way that outsiders look at it, um, but also because like they're making sex workers the the center of the story and and talking about them as full human beings and about their unique struggles there's a lot of like conversations about solidarity among the upper classes but none for the lower classes that i think is is actually quite well done the problem is that the show is way more interested in being dishy and like (laughs) i like it i'm i love it i'm wholeheartedly enjoying watching the show like we desperately needed to go to bed the other night but we had the season finale to watch and it was like oh my this is a spoiler for season two margaret is sentenced to be hanged like how are they they can't kill off margaret right like they can't kill her off what's gonna happen we had to stay up and watch it because we're like we cannot go to bed until we know what the fuck's gonna happen to margaret (laughs) Um, it's that kind of show. It's not good. I don't think, I don't think it's going to make you like really think or like feel emotions that like you're not, um, you don't usually feel, but like, Oh God, it's fun. And I feel terrible saying that because there is so much like graphic assault and that kind of stuff in it. I think it's kind of maybe similar to game of Thrones, Uh, but I think game of Thrones characters are much more complex. (laughs) than they are in harlots um you don't even think complex when you're wearing those outfits yeah the costuming is so fucking good the writing in terms of the actual dialogue like the words being spoken so good like i it is never not delightful to listen to these people speak and their weird fucking insults i love it it's so much fun um but it is just i just don't think it has any depth to it um that's fine 
Yeah, and that's fine. And the, the reason that I like it's interesting because I didn't like make that complaint about something like like say Grace and Frankie, which is just like a pretty typical stick sitcom on a lot of levels. But it is interested in the characters as people, and I'm not sure that's the case in Harlan's. <laughs> like it's I think it's very much interested in humanizing sex workers. I'm not so sure it's interested in the individual lives of the various sex workers it's representing in the show. Like obviously um, Lucy is quite different from Charlotte is quite different from Fanny is quite different from Kitty and so on right like they're all very different from one another but at the same time it's kind of like the Lucy character assassination is the best thing like Lucy goes <laughs> Lucy goes from being like the most dull ass character and again I'm I'm sorry she, she's the youngest and she goes through some shit in the first season but like she's written comparably she's so uninteresting and she feels like the audience entry point in that like she's very like doe-eyed doesn't know what's going on oh my gosh you know that kind of thing and then sex makes you not innocent yeah and then in season two she's like i sword fight now (laughs) and i'm like here's the thing hell yeah (laughs) but who the fuck are you lucy I'm like her growth from season two to season three, I think is much better. Um, She starts off season three. This is, this is a spoiler in the sense that it's something that happens in season three, but it's not like going to ruin anything for you. Um, She starts off season three being like the, one of the most highly sought after sex workers in London. And the, and the way that she does this is basically by making men compete for her attention. So like she makes them go on a carriage race and chase her around and play hide and seek and stuff like that. I wasn't sure if I watched the third, season but now I know I have because yeah. I remember that yeah like so that kind of growth I thought was really effective but like the the the, the journey from season two to season, season three was frankly ridiculous um but anyway I enjoy the show a lot I it's like whatever the equivalent of can't put it down is for a tv show is what harlots is um I just I don't think it's it's not gonna really challenge you in any way Unless you don't see sex workers as people, in which case I find it kind of weird that you're listening to this podcast. Uh, I, f- I forgot one of the things I actually did. Cool. I listened to Fixer Up by Tessa Bailey because I had just listened to um, Hook, Line, and Sinker, and I loved it so much. I was like, you know what? I should I should get more on the- listen more to Tessa Bailey. And um, wow, this was a good book. <laughs> I had seen this around a lot of one of the books that's like. like deceptively spicy and people say that about um it happened one summer and hook line and sinker and hook line and sinker sinker sinker, uh (laughs) hook line and stinker was probably i don't know they're they're spicy but you know you know the whole thing you know this book was spicy (laughs) i don't know if it was like anything super crazy but like she got down into those descriptions intensely good for her yeah yeah and um so the story is about um this guy he was a baseball superstar got hurt and got let go he was also like a playboy out with a different girl all the time i realized that this is basically the guy from hook line and sinker (laughs) who's just like player always out with different girls um and then and he doesn't like that image now he doesn't want to be seen that way so he's kind of like just depressed in his in his house come in his best friend's little sister who's like 
get the fuck up. I'm throwing this chow mein at you until you get up. And she does throw the chow mein until he gets up. And she's like, you need to go do something. And she, you know, just rehabilitates him and just is not nice to him. Um, but like in a nice way, like she doesn't let him get away with shit. There's a whole, um, there's a whole, um, competition going on in the town on who can sleep with him first. And, um, so like they have to deal with that, which I thought was done really well. I think it's really interesting. She's done this twice now. So I feel like she's really interested in, um, talking about this, about like the way that, um, men in a I think in a lot of books have a lot of sex and that's never like necessarily like questioned and in in her books her last the last two ones I read it is questioned of like is that best for you is that okay with you and sometimes it is and sometimes he's like I don't want to be seen that way and I have to do the work to show people that I'm not that person and I thought that was good um they end up getting together obviously (laughs) and listen I love a good uh, fell in love with my brother's little sister, my brother's best friend. I love it. I don't know why. I love it. Um, I, I think, w- just to clarify, I think you mean fell in love with my best friend's little sister, not yes. my brother's little sister. <laughs> my best friend's little sister or something like that, you know. I love when the brother finds out or the sister finds out and they're like, how dare you? And then this, the other person's like, I'm my own person. I'm an adult. I just love that. Um, also, the main character, the female one, she is a clown for her living. Good. <laughs> Good. She has to deal with the fact that she's always clown been- <laughs> romance. It is true. It is a clown romance. Hell yes. Um, she, she's always, she's been the little sister of this very successful, um, family that like owns a construction company and she's always been seen as like, um, young and just silly. And so she's like, well, fuck you guys. I'll be a clown. (laughs) Good for her. I support her. And she like does well for herself and like her, the whole, her progression through the book, they make this like, um, they make this club for women specifically who, um, I can't remember what they call it, but it's like this club of basically we want to do more and we're not getting support we need from like our significant others or the people around us. So we'll, we'll do it to, we'll help each other. And so she goes in and she wants to make her clown business <laughs> into like a whole entire entertainment thing because she's getting these things like, oh, my kids want pony rides. They want all these things. They don't just want magic tricks, which she loves to do. Um, like there are scenes where they're like having emotional, like romantic things and she's wearing a fucking clown out suit. <laughs> it's so fucking good. It's so good. I'm really, I'm going to read, I'm definitely going to read more Tessa Bailey. I, I read some, uh, which I'm not going to talk about because of a few reasons, but like she in like a while ago, like 2013, she wrote a lot of cop romances <laughs> She's not doing that anymore. But I thought that was really, there's like this weird difference between these books and those books. But I think that she um, has better characters now. And I just love this idea of the clown and the ex-baseball player getting together. (laughs) And it's just so good. Romantic gestures happen. um, And he learns to be an adult. She learns to be like, I am an adult. And yeah, it was good. I loved it. I'm going to read the next one in the series. Um, which is about a married couple and they're having issues and I didn't really care. But then like some things happened in the book and I was like, yes, I care about that sexual frustration. I'm ready. I have to ask. Yeah. You said this book was very spicy. Does it involve the clown outfit? 
the big shoes, the red nose, honk honk. I think at one point he like takes off some of it, uh, but not like sexually. Like he's clown sexual. <laughs> he's like I think he like still finds her like really attractive as a clown. That's fair. Um, and I think there's like they're kissing, and he's like, we need to. He, they're but- kissing, and then he honks her nose. <laughs> And then she's like, I need to go get changed. <laughs> so I don't think there's there's this sexy time with the clown outfit. Um, well, you know, it's got to show up in her next book. But they <laughs> take it a step further. They definitely have a scene where he shows up at a party and she does like the kids. She's going to do face painting. One of the kids is like, my mom said I'll get a rash. And suddenly all the kids are like, I'm going to get a rash. <laughs> and so she's like, well, I'll have this guy do it. And oh, that's cute. Yeah. And so she makes him into this hideous dog. <laughs> and so then they're kissing. <laughs> He's a dog and she's a clown. Good. It's very, very good. I it was just a delight to read. I every Tessa Bailey book I have read, especially the newer ones, are just you know what I like about her? She's like, oh, you know, you think that this bad thing's gonna happen? It doesn't. <laughs> you think that like they're they're not gonna tell each other how they feel. They do. <laughs> like, there's definitely some, like, miscommunication, but, like, it feels very natural. And then, but there's also, like, this is absolutely not going to happen. It does. <laughs> Even though this is ridiculous, I don't care. I cannot get over that she's a clown. I think that's so brave. You not should, that, not that she's, it. not that she's, it's not brave that she's a clown. I think it's brave to put a clown in your book as, like, your protagonist because, like, people hate clowns. So one of the things that <laughs> she does when she's, she has this breakfast and it's supposed to be, like, her way of, like, getting her family together and she, she had just bought this house and none of her family shows up, but she had invited him and he showed up and, because she, like, something, anyways. So she's like, well, let me show you around my house. And <laughs> She gets this one. She's like, are you ready to see where it all happens? And he's like, it's what? Like, <laughs> like, like 50 Shades of Grey. And he opens it up. It's all clown shit. <laughs> this is great. What a joy. <laughs> I highly suggest this book. What a joy. I highly suggest it. The another, next one is not about clowns. <laughs> but she is a baker. Um, oh, that's nice. Yeah. Her brother, though, sucks balls. A clown. No, he sucks. And... His his sister-in-law also sucks. She's like, I don't know. She goes to the club and she's like, her life is just perfect. She's just complaining about things that everyone's like, what the fuck? And the, the brother comes and he's like, you need to get home. And like drags her away every God. time. And so it's just like not great. But yeah, I love the clown baseball romance. <laughs> it's a niche genre, but... I, you know, I just feel like Tessa Bailey, like she... I, that's what I like about her. She's like, this seems ridiculous. I'm going to do it. <laughs> Clown baseball. I hope she has like a hat of nouns and she just draws out to it. <laughs> she also is doing, she also in this series has an age gap one, but the woman is older, which mm-hmm. you rarely see. So um, I'll probably read that one too as her sister. Um, but I highly, this is a short book. It's super easy. If It took me two days to listen to it. I did not. I wasn't able to stop listening to it, though. So it was only nine hours, um, which seems like a lot, but it's really not. I highly suggest this book. I highly suggest Tessa Bailey. Maybe <laughs> not her older ones where it's just about cops. Um, there, I did read one of her mafia books, and it was very let down because it was like, I'm a good mafia guy. I like to paint. <laughs> <laughs> I like Tessa Bailey. <laughs> Um, I watched Life After Beth. That is not the new show with Michael Sarah and Amy Schumer. This is the 
2014 movie with Dane DeHaan and Aubrey Plaza, or as I described it when we were watching the trailer, oh, what a cast of little freaks. Because in this movie, there's Dane DeHaan and Aubrey Plaza. There's also like Molly Shannon, John C. Riley, Michael G- Gray Goobler, the, the biggest little freak of them all. Um, and this is a sort of dark romantic comedy in which Dane DeHaan, who plays Zach, is was dating Aubrey Plaza, who plays Beth. And um, Beth broke up with him a few days before the movie takes place. And then she is bit by a snake and dies. And then she comes back to life. <laughs> and uh, her parents like really want to keep this a secret um, because she's supposed to be dead. Uh, but she a lot of weird stuff happens. Um, She's a zombie, but she doesn't eat people at first. (laughs) Um, This movie was not very good, and I'm sorry to say it. The Rotten Tomato consensus on this movie, this is a paraphrase, is that despite some spirited effort from Aubrey Plaza, this movie feels like a funny skit stretched uncomfortably to feature length, and that is actually the best way to describe it. Like... I I hope Aubrey Plaza had so much fucking fun making this movie because a lot of the movie is her just shrieking and breaking things and being covered in like mud and blood and stuff. So I hope she had fun with that. Um, But overall, the movie was just okay. Like at best, it was okay. There were good scenes. There were good jokes. There were parts of it that were clever or funny or moving even but overwhelmingly it was just like I don't understand why this is going on as long as it is it does not need to be and it was only an hour and a half (laughs) like it wasn't a long movie it just was like this could have ended at any point it ends up being like there's a whole kind of zombie apocalypse going on this town lots of people are coming back from the dead um but it's all resolved really quickly (laughs) It's just weird. It was weird. There and it I don't understand. I don't think I think by 2014 we were all pretty well on the train of like we don't say the R word. Not yeah. not this movie. Really? They dropped it a few times and I think it was meant to be showing that like Beth was really unhinged from reality because like she was freaking out about a lot of stuff. Um, and acting outrageous. Uh, but like, is that the best way to show it? You know? Um, well, you know, it sounds like the best way they did it since everything else was quickly resolved. Yeah, it was really, I don't know. It could have been good. And I think there are probably takes on this that are good. Like I've heard good things about, is Santa Clarita diet the one about zombies? I believe so. And that one with Nicholas Holt. Warm, warm bodies. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think there are there is other media that does this kind of thing that is supposed. To, I haven't watched either of them, but that's supposed to be good. And this was just okay. The cast was great. Um, they were enjoyable to watch. It was interesting to watch Matthew Matthew Gray Goobler in this role where that he name. where he played a security guard who wanted to be a cop real bad and was obsessed with guns. That was kind of an interesting role to see him in because I'm used to him as like. I mean, I've okay. I've never actually seen Criminal Minds, but I know everybody loves him from in Criminal Minds because he's like a he's a manic pixie dream boy weirdo. Um, I I say that fondly. Again, I haven't seen it. I just you, you know you just know sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about it. Um, I have seen him in Five Hundred Days of Summer, where he's Joseph Gordon Lovett's friend, and I have seen his house tour, where he is in fact a little freak. <laughs> so. 
again, I mean that affectionately. I see. I feel like I seem like the kind of person who would be like deeply into Matthew Matthew Gray Goobler, but having not seen many things that he's in, I am. I'm in fact just kind of like aware of him. And I watched his house tour because I love to watch house tours because I'm a little freak. Um, so it wasn't very good, and I wouldn't recommend it. Even if like me, you'll never be over your crush on Aubrey Plaza. Even if you have a big crush on Matthew Gray Goobler, and because, like, let me tell you, his character was awful in this. Um, it just wasn't very good. You could spend the hour and a half you spent watching this movie watching something else. It just, it wasn't, it wasn't worth it. Um, so that's it for this episode. I have something I forgot oh. to say about Fixer Up. Please, please. <laughs> I think it's important to know that the trope is uh, fake dating. Oh, that is important. Yeah, it's That's, important. That it's is fake important. dating. He's trying to say he's trying to show he's a one woman man, and she's trying to be like, "I'm an adult. I'm a clown, and I'm an adult." Yeah, I think that's important. To okay, good, good to know. Yeah. Um, so that's it for this episode. You can find us online at fakegeekgirlscast.com. Yep, that's it. Yep. Uh, we have links to all of our previous episodes. They're all up there. If you, if we're missing one, you can tell me, and I'll fix it because I have I them found all. one, and Missy fixed it in like five minutes. I did. Um, it's a it's a quick fix. I have all the files. The problem is that when I switch websites, sometimes some of, it some of them broke. It like seems like Spotify is the hardest one. Yeah. It's just podcasting. Am I right? Uh, you can our o- older ones are better anyway. Or our newer ones are better anyway. That's true. That's, I was like, please don't tell people that our older ones are better, Mary. No, no, no. no. Our newer ones. Our newer episodes are much better. Um, you can also find a link to our podcast network, Penwich Studio, which has a lot of great shows on it. Go check them out. Um, programming note... We are going to delay our Fruits Basket episode That's a lot. for the sake of our sanity. Um, and I'm also going on vacation for a weekend. So the fruits, the second Fruits Basket episode won't come out until, I believe... April 23rd? I think that's when we're recording. So it won't come out until early May. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, It'll give you time to watch it and read it. Yeah. And or. Yeah. Um, what we're going to do instead is we are going to um, do the Austin Powers episode that we haven't been able to... We did finally watch Goldmember. It was awful. Oh, God. It was one of the worst uh, movies I've ever seen. So the the Austin Powers episode is going to be a Patreon exclusive. Um, at any level, if you support at a dollar or higher, I don't think you can support less than a dollar on Patreon. That's the only so. reason I say that. But if you support at a dollar or higher, um, you can have access to this episode, which I am going to do research, but not outline. Um, because She's not even supposed to do research. No, I can do research. I just can't outline. Okay. I can't take, I can't, I can only read about Austin Powers in an interested way. I cannot like. This is going, this is actually an exercise for Missy. Yeah, this is an exercise <laughs> in restraint. We'll see how it goes. Uh, What's going to happen is you're going to say something. You'll be like, ah, I need to know what it actually said. Yeah, probably. You're going to have like books all over. Yeah. <laughs> um, Billion tabs. Yeah, pretty. Well, I mean, that's just my life. Uh, so that'll be a Patreon exclusive and that will go up in a couple weeks, I believe. I don't have an exact timeline cause I'm not looking at my planner. Um, but, uh, that's what we're going to do instead. Again, the fruits basket episode will come after that. And then, um, after that we'll be doing eclipse and St. Maud. And then after St. Maud, it looks like the matrix is winning. Oh my gosh. So you can expect the matrix. Um, same. I can't wait for St. Maud. I hope you like it. <laughs> and the thing with St. Maud is there's going to be like no, like academic work on it almost really? certainly well it's new and it oh, takes time to go through academic true. publication 
Um, I wouldn't be, I mean, I haven't watched it yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if there were in a few years, but it often, it'll, it, t- it tends to take time to get through. Yeah, um, it came out in 2019, maybe because of the pandemic, people just had time. Maybe. <laughs> I'm sure there will be like essays online, just not in like academic journals. Probably not, no. Um, so yeah, that's it for this episode. Yeah, catch you on the flip side. We live on a placid island of ignorance in the midst of black seas of infinity, and it was not meant that we should voyage far. And yet here we are, in defiance of Lovecraft, laughing through the darkness. The Lovely Craftians is an all-ladies Call of Cthulhu actual play podcast with horror, humor, and no small amount of chaos set in an occasionally familiar modern-day Chicago. Brought to you by Wampus House Productions and the Penwich Studio Network, You can find The Lovelies on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcatcher, or anytime over at lovelycraftians.com. And remember, you never roll sanity alone here.